Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. All right, Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast from The Athletic. Have you recovered yet? Liverpool certainly know how to make things hard for themselves. We'll talk about the seven-goal thriller, Diogo Jota's winner, and is it time for Jürgen Klopp to spend some time in the chiller? All that with James Pearce and Andy Jones, but first I want your three words. I'll give you three. Good luck, lads. James. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for Embrace the Chaos. Yeah, I like it, I like it. Oh, Andy. Every emotion possible, because that was just that, exactly that, at yesterday afternoon, wasn't it? Yeah, so Glenn Robinson from the Walk On Facebook podcast group said, how's Jürgen's hammy, which I quite like. Tom Hales, heart and mouth. Brian Lavin and Kofi Walton both said, papering over cracks. Andy Leg, what a relief. For me, there's only three words to be said. Dance, Richards, and dance. To join our community of listeners on Facebook, just search Walk On Podcast and join the group. Well, it was something. It was amazing. And after 15 minutes, I thought, well... They're going to roll all over them. This will be brilliant. It'll be another Newcastle. Tottenham will be sent back to London. Tails between the legs. It didn't quite work out that way, though. It is a James. No, no. It was. I mean, it was. It was just absolute mayhem, wasn't it? It was. Um, as you said, the, the perfect start. Everything that you would possibly wish to see from a Liverpool team was there. And I mean, the golf in that opening 20, 25 minutes was immense. Was that Liverpool were first to absolutely everything. Unbelievable how much Tottenham stood off and let them play, and they kept kept punishing them. And yeah, after 15 minutes, you're thinking, "Well, is it going to be United or Bournemouth revisited in terms of absolutely steamrolling an opponent?" But it was, I don't know. Klopp touched upon it himself afterwards. It was almost like almost like it became too easy. And um, and then when you take your foot off the, the gas, it can be very difficult to then re-establish control. And that was what happened. Yeah, I'm all for I'm all for killing the game. You know, I used to love when I went the match in the 70s and 80s that Liverpool's genius was killing the game. I remember going to Aston Villa one year and we were 3-0 up after about 10 minutes and there was not a shred of entertainment in the rest of the game. They just killed it dead. And it was beautiful. But the way you do that is by stopping the opposition playing. You don't stop playing yourself, Andy. And they did stop playing, didn't they? Yeah, and there was a lot of sort of passive possession, I thought, and that can lead to, to problems because... You can sort of get that complacency, you know, that complacency can creep in. Um, Tottenham changed shape after the third, and they sort of they went from what was a or what had looked like a because I mean they didn't really have any shape did they in that first twenty minutes, but what was a, effectively a five two three five 
4-1 to a 5-3-2. And that, that stopped Liverpool playing a little bit um, and sort of helped them in midfield. They went from looking dead to playing dead really well. And they basically allowed Liverpool to, to make their own mistakes and make themselves nervous and then began to capitalise on them. And it's sort of, some, in a way, some Liverpool up this season in that, you know, under Klopp at their best, they would have killed that game and it would have just been, eventually, they would have got the fourth and the fifth and it would have been, you know, a really nice, comfortable afternoon. But what this side have done throughout the season is give the opposition encouragement and they did that. So it's those types of things. So I think Tottenham switched it and made it more difficult for Liverpool, but then Liverpool also were basically masters of their downfall by just not, you know, continuing to play with the same intensity. I think there was a point there. I thought, oh, oh my God, it's Real Madrid again. You know, the way they, they just let the grip on the game go on. I thought for long spells, Tottenham were the better side. You know, either side of half time, James. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were they were the dominant force certainly for the vast majority of that of that second half. And um, I know Klopp said it as part of having a little bite back at Ryan Mason for suggesting Diogo Jota should have been sent off. And he 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 basically said, well, you know, what you know, what about Skip on on Diaz in the first half? And he said, you know, I really think Ryan should, you know, he's got more you know more pressing things to worry about. They have to play better football. Um, you know, you can't just rely on counterattacks. It was like, well, hang on a minute. Like, I, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah. there's nothing wrong with playing on the counterattack. <laughs> you can't, you, you can't say, well, that's not fair. They just played on the counterattack. It's like, well, what? Why would you not play on the counterattack against a team like Liverpool that we've seen can be picked apart so easily? You know that when they lose possession, there's glaring holes to exploit, and and Tottenham did that so well. And again, again, runners not tracked, lack of awareness, lack of organisation, lack of leadership, or you know all, all these things that we've bemoaned so many times this season. And it, yeah, it was as Andy said, it did it did almost sum up the season in one afternoon that this is a team that can still hit unbelievable heights at times, but they can't have plums and depths as well. I just do want to return to Rochelle and no Andy, because <laughs> for me, it was perhaps the most enjoyable moment of the match. And I love, I love late winners. You know, there's nothing better in football than a late winner. It's the most joyous thing in the world, especially if you've just had a, a lazy equaliser. You know, it was double, <laughs> double fun. But then to see his face, his face was brilliant. <laughs> I mean, and and all the Evertonians posting on social media, Blues, do me a favour, wait till the final whistle, then we don't have to laugh at yous. (laughs) Yeah, you you can tell he's played for Everton, can't you? Because it was pure (laughs) Everton at Anfield, that wasn't it? When it went 3-2, I thought, this is very likely to go 3-3, and then I saw him on the sideline and thought, Yeah, you just knew, didn't you? You just knew. He hasn't scored the Premier League goal all season, and I was like, what are the chances? The way this game's going, and then there he is, he pops up with one, takes his shirt off, does his dance, um, and you just think, oh, really? And then, yeah, as you say, to, to for Liverpool to go straight down the other end, and then the camera pans to him, and he doesn't have a clue what to do. He's, so, he's almost <laughs> laughing to himself, I think, in, in a weird way. But yeah, no, it's it was just brilliant, wasn't it? Um, you couldn't have wished it on a better person for that to happen to you, really, could you? And and for the fact that his only Premier League goal this season now nearly meant everything and means absolutely nothing. 
Well, he's, he's been booked for more goal celebrations than he scored goals, hasn't he? It's, it's just fantastic. You, you couldn't make that up. Yeah, it was it was the absolute perfect. For, if you were trying to script a, a, a finish, it would have it would have it would have been that, wouldn't it? Especially the fact that you know the the way in which he whips his shirt off, he even shushes the Liverpool fans. He's doing that ridiculous pigeon dance as well. It was funny because yes, yesterday morning my son sent me. Uh, like a, a comparison screenshot of Richarlison up against Matip. And obviously Matip had outscored him in the Premier League this season. And he said, oh, you know, you could, you should put that on your Twitter. And I said, oh, I'm not doing that. Not today, <laughs> not till after the game. I said, you know, if I do that, you guarantee that Richarlison will pop up and score. So, um, yeah, I couldn't believe it when he when he comes on and, and does that. And uh, But, yeah, just absolutely glorious to see that. That smug look wiped off his face so quickly. I mean, I, I don't think he could quite believe his eyes when uh, Lucas Moura very generously helped the ball into Jota's path. And um, he picked yeah, him out, what, didn't he? It was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and and again, you know, it, it, we we've, I know we spoke about it the other week with Jota. It just shows what a difference confidence makes. The fact that you know you've got to praise Jota for the anticipation that sensing that Moura was was going to try and help it back to Forster and couple of touches to steady himself and an an emphatic finish and yeah what a what a couple of weeks Diogo Jota's had from from probably wondering whether he'd ever score a goal again after that year long drought to what is it five in four games and yeah that's a moment he'll never forget and it is it's just been a ridiculous season hasn't it when you think a season that probably like all you know all of us just really can't wait to see the back of because it's been that much of a hard slog yet there has been these you know for all the disappointments it's been punctuated by these these are like just as astonishing victories from you know the obviously the demolition of United is is right at the top of the tree but when you think to you know what they did to, to Bournemouth what it's the Rangers what it's the Leeds and then to throw a game away like they did against Tottenham and then still find a way I mean Jed Ray Liverpool's club historian was saying it was I think you have to go back to March 1997 it was the 4-3 against Newcastle for the last time that, that Liverpool actually threw away a three-goal lead in a Premier League game and, and still won. So, um, yeah, another slice of history. Yeah, and, and that's the thing I keep saying, Andy. Despite it being a, a season like this, it's a wild ride supporting Liverpool. <laughs> Embrace it, enjoy it, you know. I mean, it, it's a lot of people don't get things like this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you look at the likes of, of Chelsea at the moment who were in a similar position to Liverpool not that long ago where... Your season's looking pretty much over. You're already looking at the summer and beyond. But what Liverpool, unlike Chelsea, who just continue to keep getting beat, is that Liverpool are, are are looking to build. And through that, you're still invested in the games. You're still trying to win games. And then you can have these types of moments. And I mean, Liverpool, this is just pure Liverpool, isn't it? The way that they, they do these things, you never make it easy. They, 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 just, they, they always keep you on the edge of your seat, um, just, just in case... I was thinking that when when it was when it was three two and I thought this is going to go three three. I was thinking about Tottenham and obviously you've got that Spursy thing, haven't you? But also recently against Bournemouth where they were two one down at home, equalised and then conceded in that all in other time. And I was like, there's a good chance this is probably going to happen today just because of how mental this game's been. And yet yeah, this is the this is the wild ride of being a Liverpool supporter and this is why we love it so much because. You have you go into games and you've got no idea what to expect because this team is just mad. 
<laughs> yeah, and so go back to as you originally said, James, and your piece. Uh, a reason you should subscribe to the Athletic is to read pieces like James today about embracing the chaos. It is, you know, Klopp's team certainly in the early years during the heavy metal football years, they sort of thrived on when games got ragged and they were a bit chaotic. And there's a bit of a return to that. I mean, at the best, they had a bit more structure, but yeah, there is that feeling of wildness about them at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it it did it did feel like a throwback to to the early days of of Klopp's reign when, you know, it you know, he, he managed to instill in Liverpool, didn't he? That kind of that never say die spirit and that that ability to to fight right to the end. And yeah, you you think back in the last few weeks, pretty much from that fight back against Arsenal, you know, to come back from 2-0 down in the manner in which they did and then, you know, even even at Leeds, you know, to, to concede just after half time, then they go, Liverpool go straight down the other end and score. You know, you think about Forest. Obviously, twice they they pegged Liverpool back on each occasion. Liverpool were back in front within four four minutes, five minutes, I think it was. And then uh, similar similarly at West Ham in midweek last week. You know, Liverpool go behind and rather than panic, you know, within six minutes, Gagpo's equalised. And so I think to see that happen again was a sign that. There is a fair bit of fight still left in this this group, but you're right. I think it's it also shows the flaws because the reason it's similar to Klopp's early days is that was that was he was still trying to build something, and there was it was a team with glaring deficiencies, and it we're almost back to to that again in terms of there's there's still a lot to admire, but there's also major issues that need to be need to be sorted out, and you know game management and control. Which which were qualities that the one Liverpool, the Champions League, that one Liverpool, the Premier League, you know, they they don't exist anymore because the balance the balance just just isn't right. Well, this is Walk On, brought to you by the Athletic. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tony Evans here with James Pierce and Andy Jones with Walk On. All right, James, we love Jürgen, but he crossed the line yesterday, didn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, it's you can't. <laughs> you, 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 there's no justification for reacting in the way he did when the the winning goal went in, and um, yeah, it's you know he didn't. He was adamant that he didn't swear at the fourth official. 
Um, but he, he also said himself you know, it was completely unnecessary and that he said that you know, the fourth official had done nothing to to anger him. It was more frustration that poor Tierney and I think in particular, you know, it was that it was that free kick that didn't go Liverpool's way shortly before the, the Spurs equaliser to make it three three. I mean, which was an absolutely appalling decision from Tierney when you know, I think it was Ben Davis quite clearly had a had a hold of Salah's shirt and was was grappling him. But yeah, you can't you still can't react like that. I mean, it was it was strange as well because you just think just enjoy the moment with your own bench rather than than rush to confront the, the fourth official like that. But Klopp held his hands up afterwards. You know, he was it was a genuine show of contrition. You know, he you know there was obviously a slight comedy part to it as well with the fact that he pulled his hamstring in doing it and Klopp joked that you know I, I I deserved the injury and I deserved the yellow card for reacting in the way he did and you know we know he's an emotional guy and that sometimes that boils over that was certainly an, an example of that and I think you know the fact that the fact that he was booked for it I, I, I don't think there'll be any further comeback on that particular moment but where, where there will be some comeback on is his his post-match comments about poor Tierney and suggesting that the Wigan official has got a problem with Liverpool because, um, yeah, we all know that, you know, when you go down that route, you usually end up with an FA charge. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he talks about the previous game against um, Tottenham, the 2-2 draw, he didn't like Tierney's decisions then. But yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be a charge there, isn't there, Andy? He's gonna get he's gonna get his wrists slapped at the very least. Although it'd probably be better to slap the back of his legs in the hamstring area. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's fair to say that he's he's probably gonna have to book through them a little bit because it's obviously not his first you know in, incident with officials this season. There was obviously that uh, that thing with the linesman <laughs> when he got in the linesman's face, didn't he? And, and then, um, you know, again, wasn't a great look. So, yeah, I think um, I think there's definitely a punishment on, on the way for, for Jürgen because, yeah, as James said, it was not what you want to see. You know, he, he acknowledged that. Um, and, I, I, I think yeah, it worried think, me as well, like, by saying, you know, after what Tierney had said to him when he booked him, you know, and that sort of thing, because the, the officials have recorded. It wouldn't surprise me if we had the recording. And if the recording is acceptable, then... He's going to look bad, isn't he, Andy? Well, yeah, and, and that's what the the PGA MOL have, have come out and, and released a statement and said, haven't they? They sort of has, they have a, have have listened back to yeah, to that they, conversation. They, they say, having fully reviewed the audio of referee Paul Tierney from today's fixture, we can confirm the reactors in a professional manner throughout, including when issuing the caution to the Liverpool manager. Um, I, I mean, that, that seems to be fairly fairly strident from them. It does, yeah, um, and, and 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 with them saying that, you know, if they've listened back to it, and may, maybe something's, you know, been, you know, Klopp might have taken something a different way than than what other people would, but equally, yeah, it's it's not good when when you sort of, I guess, come out at the end of a match and say, oh, you should have heard what he said, and then people have listened back and gone, well, we we don't think he said anything anything like bad or anything like that, and, and what he said was was professional. Um, so yeah, that that certainly doesn't help his um, his claims and what you know potentially is is on his way in terms of a, a charge. Yeah, and I mean, obviously there were instances in the game which Klopp took the umpat, but when I look back on them, and 
I have a lot of sympathy for referees, James, because I refereed at a very low level when I was living in the States. It was an easy way to make beer money, basically. But it's hard. It's really hard to do. And at the Premier League level, when things are going so fast, you just can't. It, it, it's unimaginable for most people how difficult it is. And it never ceases to amaze me how few mistakes they make rarely. But what are your thoughts on, I mean, the obvious ones that stand out are the skip challenge on Diaz, which I thought, my view on it is that if he would have got a red curve for that, he couldn't have complained. Then you've got just as high boots on the skip. Uh, my thoughts on those, if you would have got a red card, you couldn't have complained. From both in- incidents, I'm like, well, a yellow's probably enough. And then the, the Davis and Salah thing coming together. I can see from the angle chain he was on that he might have missed the sheer pulling, but he would have seen the arm going up. Yeah, yeah, these things happen. None of them seem big enough to cause a fight over. No, no, no. I, I, I think it wasn't just about Sunday. It was... It was a, a, a big build-up of Liverpool and Klopp and his staff feeling that they've they've been on the wrong end of a lot of decisions in games that the poor Tierney has as, as refereed in. And you know Klopp in the post-match press conference I was in, you know, referenced that game down at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in December twenty twenty one. When, when of course you know Harry Kane somehow stayed on the pitch for, with, for, for, despite producing a challenge that was. As, as clear a red card as you'll ever see, and and Andy Robertson later got sent off in the in the same game for for something that wasn't too dissimilar. I don't actually look at those big decisions on su- Sunday and think they they weren't they weren't glaring mistakes, were they? I think for a start, I, I think what saved Skip with the challenge on Diaz is the fact I, I think he for a start he got a touch on the ball, and then I think if he's a tiny bit higher probably two inches higher if he catches him in the shin, then I think yeah, regardless definitely. of touching the ball, it, it's, a, it's a red, but he, he doesn't. And then uh, similar to what you said with the, the Jota one on skip, it's it's just unfortunate and, and clumsy than anything else. I think I've watched it back five or six times and there's not one hint of intent or recklessness from Jota in terms of he's, he's only got eyes for the ball and skip just, just dip down slightly which I, which I think then obviously makes it makes it look a lot worse as well so no and as we said yeah I think he definitely got wrong the the Salah Davis tussle late on that that obviously infuriated Klopp so much but I think sometimes we, people do get far too carried away with this idea that a referee has got some kind of vendetta against your club I remember going when I when I was going as a fan like in the mid to late 90s and there was a guy in front of me and re- regardless of who the referee was every single Saturday he'd turn around and say you know it's him you know he hates us this fellow and it was all, it was just just inherent belief that like every single referee is against you two fundamental rules of football every referee hates your club and every journalist hates your club <laughs> you know it's a, it's simple you know it's um uh, and I, I, it's just a I and because those decisions were so marginal, Andy, that's why VAR didn't really get involved, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And and you would have thought that if if you know they were deemed and, and this isn't just Paul Tierney making these decisions at the end of the day, is it? There is that VAR team who, if they thought either of Skip or Jota's, you know, files were worthy of, of red cards and and not the punishment that Tierney did or didn't dish out, then. You know they would have called them over to the monitor and told them to have a look. They didn't, and I think I think I agree with you both. I think they're both 
you know, yellow cards, there could be red cards. And if they were red cards, you couldn't complain. I was a little bit surprised Jota didn't go just because of the manner of it's being a high boot and draws blood and all that type of stuff. But then equally, you know, as, as James said, there's no intent to it, is there? So, yeah, it's one of them. Both yellows. <laughs> Only coincidentally, it would have been, if Skip had been sent off, he wouldn't have been heading Jota's boots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And moving forward anyway, it was great to see Luis Diaz back in the start at 11, wasn't it? And he was carrying on as if he hadn't missed a beat, hadn't he? Seven of his eight Premier League goals have now come at Anfield, James. I, I thought he was, he was lively, wasn't he? Yeah, I was slightly surprised to see his name on that team sheet from the start, to be honest, because I think um, they knew that Jota had been carrying a bit of a back problem, but I thought I thought if he was going to make a change up top, I thought probably Nunes would would be the one to to come in but um Klopp had clearly seen enough on the training field to to believe that Diaz was ready for that first start since October and yeah it, it was another reminder of just how much Liverpool have missed him for the, the vast majority of this this season because um it, it's not just what he gives you on the ball with with his quality but just that that work ethic off it as as well I think you know when, when I looked at the the, the numbers last night, you know, he'd, he'd won the ball back more, more than than anyone else in that in that front line, and yeah, and what 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 a moment for him, you know, it was it was a, such a good finish as well. I, I couldn't believe it. He had both his feet rough the floor. That's a yeah. brilliant finish. Yeah, it just it absolutely exquisite technique, and then you see you, you see then the outpouring of emotion, and um, you know, you, you think how many how many dark days must he have had? He, he would have dreamt about that moment. You know that that would have kept him going. The, the the thought of being back out of Anfield and 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 then having a big moment to his name like that. So um, yeah, you, he, he he means so much, doesn't he, to Liverpool fans? He took him to their hearts last season, and and you know when we look back on this season in terms of you know why it hasn't brought what we all hoped it would bring. You know it demoralising injury setbacks are, are certainly a key factor, and his his is absolutely right at the top in terms of what Liverpool have been missing and um, yeah, another hour of football under his belt, you know, a a stand innovation from Anfield when he, when he went off. And um, yeah, I think probably will be next season before we see Luis Diaz back to his, his absolute best. But um, yeah, it's just, just great to see him back out there with a smile on his face. And Curtis Jones, Andy, another one who has a good game and you know, he's getting a reward for his consistency, isn't he? You know, he's, he's becoming a regular. Yeah, exactly, and, and that's what we've we've been waiting for. I think from from the midfielders, really, who's going to step up and be that that person who can perform consistently and continuously give you that seven, that eight out of ten performance. And, and Jones is doing that at the moment, and obviously gets his goal. And I think in in this role, which which I think suits him, I think that's you want to see those creative juices that we know he's got. This being more of a number ten role in a sense. You know, the, the goal contributions, the assist contributions are what we want to see. And so it was good to see him getting into those positions. But I think what stood out yesterday was his work off the ball. And I think we, we touched on this um, in a podcast a, a couple of weeks ago in, in terms of he's got that, because he's not been playing, he's got that freshness that others don't. Um, and you can really see that. And I thought he was really impressive in the press and, and sort of trying to continue to rally Liverpool throughout the game, even when it was when it was having those lulls and, and when Liverpool were, you know, were struggling. It sets him up really well for next season because he knows, you know, that Liverpool, there's going to be added competition next next season um, and, and that's going to come in the shape of, of new arrivals. And, you know, this is a really good period for him to be laying down a marker of, 
you might be bringing these these two, three, whatever lads in, but look what I'm doing here. And, and yeah, it's it's really, really, really good and, and really good to see for for a scouser. Um, and, and obviously, he had that scouse connection for the goal as well, which was a nice little touch. There you go, love it. And I just want to briefly talk about Canate. He has to cover an awful lot of ground there, James. It's a, you know, and I, I tell you what, that's the one decision I thought might have gone to VR and might have gone against us when um, he could well have conceded a penalty. At uh, there were times when. He was great, Canate, and there was times when he looked a little bit uh, panicky. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think, I think a lot of it is linked to just how good Tottenham are on the counter attack. Because as we've said previously, you know, this new system of Liverpool's, when it works, then it's it's great. But there, there's obviously issues there that teams can exploit. There's so much asked of Canate, so I, I do have a lot of sympathy with him in terms of sometimes. He can look a bit ragged because I think he, he's just got so much to do. In terms of the penalty shout, I, I saw it back a few times and I, I think you'd have been fuming if if that had been given. I think, do you know what, there's, yeah, he, at one point he's got his arm, you know, around, I think, Richarlison midriff. But I, I think it's one of those ones where he pulls his hand away, probably in the nick of time. I think if he holds onto him for another second, then he's in a spot of bother. And the other thing I was going to add was, you know, of course, in all the mayhem that came late on, it was only a footnote, but it was great to see Mo Salah tuck away that penalty because I think when when he there'd obviously been some discussion about would he stay on pens, would would Fabino potentially take them off him after those two recent misses, and I think you know a third miss, and I think that discussion's made academic. You know, you you, you don't see Salah on pens going forward, but um, yeah, went went for the down the middle approach, no nonsense, and um, just seemed to have simplified his technique a little bit compared to compared to the ones that he'd, he'd missed. So um, yeah, you could see you could see the relief fetched on his face. Yeah, no weird run up like he he left the dancing to Richardson, didn't he? Anyway, <laughs> this is Walk On, brought to you by the Athletic. <laughs> This is Walk On from The Athletic with me, Tony Evans, James Pearce and Andy Jones. So, Fulham at Anfield on Wednesday night. Um, first game of the season, I remember that, and Fulham played quite well. Uh, they seemed to make a good fist of it against Manchester City too. Uh, but with wins for Newcastle and Man United over the weekends, the gap to the to those two stays at nine points and seven respectively, uh, we need, well, we need one of them to start dropping points quickly i can't see that happening and i'm brighton of course are lurking in the background with games in hand but the point is we need to be full on don't we andy we do um yeah i think you're right on on the top four it, you know the games are sort of running out at this point aren't they and there's, there's still a few games where you can see potentially united and newcastle they might drop points but you know they've looked you know there's had they've they've already got got through a few games you know united drop points against tottenham didn't they but um, I think, yeah, it's, it, it's important for Liverpool to just continue this momentum at this point. You know, try and finish the season on a nine-game winning run and you, can, you, you know what the confidence will be like then going into next season because what is quite good at the moment is while we're seeing the growing pains of this new system, they're still winning games, which is a good sign. And also you just want to continue to, to be really strong at Anfield, don't you? Yeah, and it'll be nice to see Marco Silva back, won't it, James? Two visits there. Uh the one in 2018 as manager of Everton when uh, 
Van Dyke put the ball onto the bar and somehow Pickford allowed Rigi to score. You know, that's uh, where the Jordan Pickford dinosaur arms thing come from, didn't it? T-Rex arms, sorry. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, and that was great. And then his last game in charge of Everton, uh, Divock scored twice in a 5-2 victory in December 2019. He's rehabilitated his reputation since then with Fulham, hasn't he, James? But yeah, a, a little bit of, you know, the ex-Evertonian coming back to Liverpool would be welcome again twice in a week. <laughs> yeah, the, it always adds a little extra bit of spice to a contest, doesn't it? I think, he, he, yeah, you're right in terms of repairing his reputation after after what happened at Everton. He's done a, done a fantastic job at Fulham, I must admit. When they when they came up, you, you wondered whether they'd have enough to, to sustain it. But I think, well, they got 45 points already, you know, 10th. 10th in the league and yeah they you know they set their stall out on that opening day I was at Craven Cottage back in uh, August and they caused Liverpool a hell of a lot of problems that day just completely di- didn't didn't do what you've, you'd almost expect a newly replo- a newly promoted team to do which was to kind of try and contain and frustrate they didn't they they, they kind of tried to unsettle Liverpool didn't let them get into their stride and um, yeah I think I think probably the difference now is that you know they're one of the very few teams in the Premier League with nothing to play for because you know there's obviously a, you know the, the, most of the teams in the top half are still chasing Europe. There's obviously the the tight battle for for survival in the bottom half. So it, it feels like a decent time to be playing be playing them. But you know the fact that they ran City so close on Sunday is is another warning in terms of making sure you, you've got to be absolutely spot on and. Um, yeah, I think it does feel, despite despite Liverpool rattling off those four straight wins, top four still does feel. I'd say you're probably looking at like a five percent chance in terms of in terms of of making it, even if Liverpool were to go and win their last five fixtures, because um, they're so reliant, obviously, on United or, or Newcastle effectively falling to pieces. And at the minute, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But we have played on made the tier before. Gerard's touch. Barros going in, Luis Garcia, did that go over the line? Well, Luis Garcia and Liverpool celebrate, the goal's been given, what a start, but it's a controversial one. 18 years, 18 years, the game against Fulham will be on the 18th anniversary of Luis Garcia's ghost goal. Actually, we shouldn't call it the ghost goal. It was the goal. Chelsea fans, it, no, it was a ghost goal. It didn't go in, Chelsea fans. It didn't go in. It definitely didn't go in. It counted, though, and it was brilliant. One of the greatest nights in Anfield's history. Uh, I put the atmosphere that night up there with Saint-Étienne. Um, just a phenomenal, phenomenal night. There were, you know, there are people who haven't been born who go in the match, regular match goes, Andy, are you one of them? <laughs> no, even this one makes me feel a little bit old, to be fair. <laughs> but yeah, the, the memories of that night, um, I mean, my dad was there and, you know, he, he, you know, same as you, talked about that atmosphere was just incredible and sort of that that feeling that Anfield was shaking, it was it was going that metal, mental in the bedlam and yeah, the game was just was just mad, wasn't it? Yeah, it was one of the most emotional periods of my football and life because obviously it coincides with the 20th anniversary of Heisel and the route to Istanbul took us through 
Turin, Juventus, which uh, had three very, very uncomfortable days there because of, obviously, uh, the history involved. Then came that night against Chelsea. And what what I hadn't seen, it's, I talked about, you know, 1977, Saint-Étienne. Then there was a sense that it was a destiny. You know, we were desperate to win the, the, the European Cup for the first time. But, you know, we knew we had a great team that... I I I'd got to the point where I never thought we'd reach another European Cup slash Champions League final, and I'd, I'd never see one, and I, I've never seen Anfield that craved a victory so badly. But there was there was no certainty in the crowd, James. There was no, it wasn't belief. It was craving more than anything, and I've also rarely seen the police more hostile. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. Yeah, it was uh, it was absolutely electric, wasn't it? And I think I think you're right. It needs to be placed in the, like a proper context in terms of where where Liverpool were at and and how long it had been since they'd been in a position like that. Because almost you know now having you know been to what's it three Champions League finals over the the past five seasons, you you, you think well, just another Champions League semi, isn't it? But it was. <laughs> It was, it was, you know, it was just so wildly beyond all expectations that journey, and then, and then the fact it was Chelsea, you know, this absolute juggernaut in terms of you know, what Abramovich's money had, had done to that club, and you know, the rivalry that that was there between Benitez and Mourinho, and you know, on on paper, it was you you looked at the two lineups and you you thought, how can Liverpool possibly do this? But it's it's that Anfield factor, isn't it? And it, yeah, it was. I, it's funny because whenever I, whenever I watch back highlights from that night, whenever I see that good Johnson chance in in stoppage time, I still expect him to score. Oh, yeah, though, I tell you what, I'm like, ah. There are two moments in 2005 which I look back on, and I can barely watch them. It's the good Johnson chance and Shevchenko in uh, yes. in Istanbul that's another one that, and, yeah 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 you think and both of them I'm like they're going to score it's over <laughs> you know it's like I'm in a, it's in a, I'm, in, I'm in a nightmare I'm in a night and then it goes wide and then my heart rate comes down and you know the, the colour drains from my face and you know and, and then you know my wife says to me football's going to kill you <laughs> <laughs> I always think with nights like that you know some people you know you always get you know naysayers don't you and people say ah oh, you know you know, it doesn't, you know, people always bang on about, you know, the Anfield effect and all the rest of it. But you only have to read, you know, Mourinho's quotes from that. And I think John Terry, Lampard as well, when they've when they've talked about it in terms of the, that wall of noise they were hit with, you know, and how it did just take Liverpool to this other level. And and just that ability to keep going and going and going. And, you know, I know Carragher talks about it in terms of, you know, the best night that he ever had at Anfield in, in terms of repelling those, you know, wave after wave of of Chelsea attacks. And now, you know, you just found another another level because of the, the, the backing that you had from from the stands. And um yeah, it was just yeah, just such a special one. And and it's the other thing that obviously people always you know, people that go on about, oh, you know, was it even over the line? Well if if it wasn't over the line then it's you know it's a red card and a penalty. So uh you know it's uh the the idea that Liverpool somehow got away with one there, I'm, I'm not I'm not having that. You know what? No VAR, so you know it might have been a red card and a penalty, and I just don't want it to be over the line. I just, <laughs> I just exactly. 
you know, it, it's, um, I remember Sky did the graphic of it, which they used, um, some of the technology that they use in cricket, you know, the, um, the ball tracking technology. And they come out and they, they produced this graphic and it says it wasn't over the line. I was working with a Chelsea fan and I ran up to him and said, great news, thrust the, Jeff, uh, the, the graphic in front of him and said, it wasn't over the line, Jeff. It wasn't over the line. That must make you happy. And I'll tell you what, he hated me. He hated me. And good, I liked it that way. Looking back at that 2004-05 season, I mean, it was there was 37 points between Liverpool and Chelsea that season. It was, I think it's difficult to to put into context just how dominant Chelsea were. They only lost one game all season in the Premier League, only, only conceded 15 goals all season. And, and Liverpool actually finished level on points with Bolton Wanderers. <laughs> so they only finished above Bolton on goal difference. Which is the, my other favourite thing about the season is we finished below Everton <laughs> and went on and won the, the the European Cup, the Champions League. And, you know, I remember the anger at them saying that we shouldn't compete. I was quite happy. I was like, don't let us in next season. We'll just be holders for two seasons then. You know, it's, you've got to defend your trophy. But yeah, the the... What a time, it's, it's hard to think it was two decades ago, and so, almost two decades ago. In some ways, it seems just a blink of an eye away, and in other ways, it was a football in a different era. Uh, but, well, I'd, I'd settle for any sort of victory on Wednesday night. But yeah, I think there'll be quite a few people at Anfield who'll take a deep breath and think, think very emotionally about what happened there 18 years ago. And this is Walk On, your Liverpool podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. And we'll talk about what happens at Anfield on Wednesday against Fulham when we're back on Thursday. We'll see you then. The Athletic.